1: As we begin today's Abounding Grace, here's the question we'll be considering Do we do because of who we are, or are the things that we do make us who we are? We'll explore that dynamic today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. a man lives an evil lifestyle, it's not because of his environment. It is because of his evil heart. Paul put it a little bit better. He said, each man can carry his own load. You can't share it with anyone. Of course, you know, we share our burdens with each other, but this load of accountability, you cannot share. Hi there, and welcome to the program. This is Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose will take us back to Galatians chapter 6 as we look at walking in the Spirit. Here's Pastor Gary now with today's program.
2: Now this is something we must think about more than we do, and that is that there is a final judgment coming. Everyone in his heart of hearts knows this, The people who don't want to believe it act like they don't, and they spend their lives trying to suppress what they really believe and trying to make themselves believe something else they really don't believe, and that is that there is never going to be a day of settling our account with God, and there will never be a day in which God holds us accountable to the way we have lived before him in our lives. Well, I say just as kind as I can, brothers and sisters, whether you believe it or not, is irrelevant. There is a final day of judgment coming when every one of us in this room, along with the entire human race, shall stand before the judge of the universe and give an account of how we have lived and thought and behaved in this world. You are not accountable to me. If you were, you could certainly fool me. You can impress me that you are something that you are not in your heart, and I can do the same to you. But when you stand before God that day and give an account of your life, which you will do, all masks will be ripped off, and you will stand there naked, fully exposed before the living God who knows what is in the heart. Of every single man. Every man shall bear his own load. Means we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, and each one of us shall give an account of how we have borne our load, as how we have done our duty, as how we have lived in faithfulness or unfaithfulness to living God. My friends, that is our reality. That's just not some religious jargon. That's not theological babble. That is reality. You will stand before God, and how you carried your load will be judged by him. It's not that every man must bear his own load. Every man shall bear his own load, whether he wants to or not, whether he likes to or not whether he tries to escape or evade it or not, every man shall bear his own load before almighty God. But now let's go a step farther. If each one of us is to bear our own load and stand in our own shoes and give an account of our own lives before God, if every one of us has to give an answer for ourselves alone to God without comparison to any other mortal, then who of us? will be able to endure God's judgment. Each one of us shall bear our own load and with full accountability before God. But if that is the case, if each one of us stands with full accountability for our life before the living God, which one of us will endure the wrath and the condemnation of the judge that knows our hearts? Not one of us. As God's word says in Isaiah thirty-three fourteen, who among us can live with a consuming fire, who among us can live continually burning, not one of us, in and of ourselves, in our own strength, standing before the living almighty God who hates our sins. If we shall bear our own load and stand with full accountability on judgment day before God, how in the world will any of us survive? For as John Calvin said, if a person had but one sin, any sin, hell would be ready to swallow him up. End quote. Surely the weight of our sin is heavier than a stone that were able to crush all of our limbs and bones in pieces. How shall we stand in judgment day before God when he brings us to account? You will stand before God in full accountability for your own load. But being a sinner, guilty of far more than one sin, before the judge that hates sin and has sworn to destroy it, yet every man shall bear his own load. How in the world on that day will you and I escape being sentenced to hell? If this verse, every man shall bear his own load, is taken out of the context of the book of Galatians, it would drive every one of us who have any honesty in our hearts at all to hopeless despair about our destiny. Because not one of us Not the best of us could stand up under the judgment and withering gaze of a divine judge. And if you think you can, if you think you can live with a consuming fire in and of yourself and impress him at the end enough to win his favor, you are a great big fool. So as we read this exhortation, every man shall bear his own load, We rejoice in the message of Galatians that we bear that load in Jesus Christ. Someday we will stand before God, we will give an account of our lives, but on that day when we stand before that awesome tribunal, we will be embraced by the Lord Jesus Christ and all of his perfections and all of his redemptive work. And when the judge behind the bar of justice looks at us, he will see us in Christ, having died for us, taking the penalty of our sins, living for us, crediting to our account and our debt his perfect life, and we will be safe and sound in his arms. Listen to Calvin again. Truly the redeeming of us did cost Christ dear. And if we search heaven and hell throughout for the peace of a ransom, we shall not find any other than Christ that is able to pacify God. In other words, the only person in all of the universe that is able to pacify God's anger for our sins is the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do it. He has done it by turning away God's wrath, And satisfying his justice by dying as our substitute on the cross, taking our guilt, identifying with our sin, becoming responsible for the consequences of our sin out of sheer grace and mercy, so that everyone who puts their faith in Christ as Lord and Savior will never have to face the wrath and the fury of our God, who is a consuming fire. And so when we bear our own load before God, totally accountable for all of our actions and thoughts in this world, it will be addressed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we deserve to be consumed by that fire. But Christ, as it were, was consumed in our place. And so because of him putting his shoulder to our load, taking the consequences that our evil deserves, when we stand before God, we do not have to fear separation from him. The point is, it is true, that as every one of us has lived in this world, we shall be judged by God on that last day. And that thought should move us to carefulness in the way we live. But that thought alone, That we will stand before God fully accountable for all of our behavior should terrify us. And we as Christians should never think that thought without thinking another. Which second thought always fills us with joy and gratitude. And that is on that day. When we bear our own load before God, we will be represented by Jesus Christ. And we and our good works, as feeble as they may be, will be accepted because of Him. While our sins and evil works, as dark as they may be, will be forgiven because of Him. And you and I will never appreciate the value of the grace and the mercy of God, nor will we ever taste that mercy until we recognize as believers that if we bore our own load before God without Christ, we would be hopelessly condemned to hell. Let me say that again just a little differently. You are never going to appreciate the saving mercy of God And you're never going to taste that mercy until God enables you to be honest with yourself and with him and enables you to believe and confess I'm going to have to stand before God. I'm nothing but filthy rags. All of my righteousness is as filthy rags. I have not done one thing in all of my life to merit one thing, one good blessing from him. And if I have to stand before him, In myself, with my own accomplishment, without Christ, there is no hope for me throughout all eternity. Until you believe that and confess it, you will never taste the mercy of God. So I encourage you to do two things today. Right here and now, believe that your load is heavier than you will ever be able to bear before God. Quit being deceived about yourself, thinking you are somebody when you are nothing. Believe that your load is heavier than you are able to bear before God. And then, having broken and humbled by that thought, all of you, any of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to Christ and He will give you rest from that burden. Jesus said, come unto me all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're not weary, weary, If you're not heavy laden, you think your load is right. There's not much reason to come. But all of you who are weary and heavy laden, Jesus says, come surrender to me. Believe in me that I am who I say I am in Scripture. And come to me to be that in your life. And I will give you rest from your burdens. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. That brings us to verse 6 in Galatians chapter 6. This is a continuation of the deception of a spirit-filled life. And Paul says, "Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches." Walking by the Spirit's rule and in his power motivates us to support and fellowship with those men whom the Holy Spirit calls and equips to train us in the rule of God found in Holy Scripture. Let's look at some phrases here. Let the one who is taught. The word taught in Greek means to catechize. So the one who is taught is a catechumen. That is a person under systematic instruction in the truth of the Bible by a teacher trained and ordained to teach those who are committed to his charge. It isn't just someone who is being taught off the cuff by someone else. It has to do with authorized systematic instruction by an official teacher. See the word share? Let him who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. That means not just to support, but to fellowship. So that as you support the person that is training you in the word, you are fellowshipping with him and you are forming a partnership between the catechumen and the teacher. So that relationship is somewhat like an employee and an employer. The relationship is a partnership in a common yoke that the person who is being trained in the word of God and the person who is doing the training in the word of God both have their necks in the same yoke, seeking to reach the same purpose. And they are fellowshipping with one another in a common partnership. Therefore, the point of this verse is that those who benefit from the systematic instruction from the Bible are hereby resorted to support and fellowship with their instructors. For my sake, I'm thankful that you are all faithful in this. And throughout the past 15 years that I've been here, you have been faithful in sharing good things with me, who has instructed you in the word of God as best I am able. God has put on your heart to understand as you walk by the Spirit that you are in partnership with the one who ministers the Word of God to you. And you understand that preachers should be able to live by their preaching in order to devote themselves entirely to the ministry of the Word of God on your behalf. And I greatly praise God for your partnership and your faithfulness. This brings us to verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. In other words, walking in the Spirit protects us from being deceived by false doctrines and from being seduced by false teachers. Several times throughout Galatians, Paul has warned us about being deceived. He has warned us about being deceived concerning ourselves and our own opinions of ourselves. He is now warning us about being deceived by error and false teachers and by false doctrine. Being seduced is the point of the first part of this book. There were people coming into the churches of Galatia who were trying to seduce them by their false doctrine and their lying philosophies and theology from the truth that God gave the Apostle Paul. This is a constant emphasis actually throughout Scripture. This is a warning to us constantly For instance, in Ephesians 5, verse 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Or in the second epistle of John, verse 7. For many deceivers who have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and the Antichrist. (coughs) Anyone who denies the Incarnation, The deity of the Lord Jesus Christ is an antichrist. And anyone who seeks to teach the people of God something other than what God has revealed in Scripture is a deceiver. And time and again we are told to watch out for deceivers. And unless you are walking in the Spirit, you will not have the discernment to know how to distinguish between someone who speaks the truth and a deceiver. It is only as we are depending upon the Spirit's power and walking according to the Spirit's rule and living in Scripture and seeking to think the way Scripture commands us to think and live the way Scripture tells us to live and to relate the way Scripture tells us to relate and set the priorities for life that Scripture says we ought to set for ourselves. It is only when we are living in that context of the Word of God that we are able to distinguish the truth from error. One of the rarest things in our day is the discernment of truth from error. There are people out there by the millions who think things are true, even convinced things are true, that are just absolutely dead wrong. And we could go on all day on that subject. So please, beloved, don't be deceived. There are deceivers all around you trying to get you to believe their lies. And unless you are walking in the Spirit, you will believe those lies. And you will be convinced that what you believe is true. Let me ask you, what is wrong with believing false doctrine as long as you are sincere and living a loving, good life? I mean, after all, we're talking about doctrine. So what's the big deal? Okay, so you believe the wrong thing about the way the world's created. So you believe the wrong thing about God. You've got some things, right? But a lot of things you believe are dead wrong. Okay, there are wrong doctrines that you hold, but your life is faithful, and you're seeking to be loving, and you're seeking to be righteous, and you're seeking to be good. So what's wrong with false doctrine as long as I'm trying to live right? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because it gives me the opportunity to tell you that theological and ethical error is not and cannot be either innocent or safe. Because there is a definite connection between truth and life, truth and holiness, and in our goodness of walk and behavior. There is a direct relationship between error in thought. Theological, philosophical, and ethical, and sin, and the way we behave. Jesus prayed for his disciples in John 17, and he said, Sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. He made a big deal of it. Lord, I want you to make them good people. I want you to work in their lives and continue to make them better people, and I want you to do that by your word, for your word is truth. It is only the true word of God that has the power to make bad people good and make good people better. It is only the truth of the word of God that has any sanctifying power whatsoever to enable us to think good thoughts and behave in a manner that is pleasing to God. In other words, non-truth, false doctrine has no sanctifying power, none. A falsehood and unbiblical, unbiblical doctrine has absolutely no power to make a bad man good or a good man better. Even if you sincerely believe that non-truth with all your heart, it has no beneficial effects upon you. No matter how strong you desire your, your desire and prayers are, to make that false doctrine, that non-truth you believe beneficial to you and strengthen your desire in the earnestness of your prayers, Doesn't matter. No truth. False doctrine. Has absolutely no good effect. In your life. In fact. They have a detrimental effect on your life. For as a man thinks in his heart. So he is. You live like you live. Because you think like you think. The doctrines that you hold. The things you believe as truth. The basic principles that you are committed to will shape the way you live in this world. And if those principles, those commitments, and those things that you think are true are not, and you have been deceived by false doctrine into believing something as true that is not true, it will show up in your life, and it will make your life ugly, and someday, more than likely, it will condemn you before God. False doctrine is not innocent. When a person is seduced away from the truth and believes things to be true that aren't, he lets himself do it. Every man shall bear his own load. If you believe something to be true that is not, then when you stand before God, you can't say, oh, I'm just a poor little ignorant helpless person no one told me the truth every man every man shall bear his own load the Bible says this he who knows the truth and does not do it shall be beaten with many stripes and he who does not know the truth and who does not do it shall be beaten with few stripes but both will be beaten False doctrine, thinking things to be true, deceiving yourself into believing things that are true that are not. That is neither innocent or safe. Error in the head leads to error in the heart and sin in life. Notice what this verse says about this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't be confused about this. God is not mocked. Failure to protect yourself from believing wrong doctrine. Failure to live by the rule of the word of God, failure to allow yourself to be shaped, your thoughts, your behavior by that word, and still call yourself a Christian. Oh, it's a mockery of God, and God will not be mocked with impurity. That is, you may mock him, but you will not get away with it. God will not be treated with contempt by hypocrites who call themselves Christians, but who will not allow themselves to be stirred up and governed completely and totally by the Word of God. I ask you, beloved, test your heart. Are you right now in your thoughts and in your life mocking the living God? Do you think you are something when you are nothing? Do you have a high profession, but in the heart there is darkness and rebellion? Oh, please do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Because every person shall bear his own load. Amen.